When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Ruler Podcast, brought to you by Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. Well, while a lot of pro riders are packing their swimming kit and suntan lotion for an exotic off-season holiday, the young British star Tom Pickcock is lining up in the mud and sand for a full season of continental cyclocross. World and European under-23 cross champion, Pickcock will now be racing with the elites in a new British cross team, Trinity Racing, alongside fellow Brits Cameron Mason and Abby May Parkinson. Ian Cleverly spoke to him at the team launch, where he confirmed he wasn't getting much of a break. Well, I had two days off, three days off. Yeah, I've been on, been on holiday, but yeah, I've been running and, and riding... And now at the team launch and then heading to Belgium and then racing in five. A mixed season for you. I mean, lots of ups. Yeah. You know, an horrible down. Yeah. Um, what was the high point? I think weirdly, probably Yorkshire was probably the high point just because of how like, unreal it was riding the race, like, regardless of the result. And I mean, bronze is still good, you know, but I think, yeah, just riding that race with this, that support around that circuit was just unbelievable. Yorkshire did itself proud, I would suggest. Yeah, apart I from the rain, but apart you know, what can you weather, do about that? Apart from the weather, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, on Monday after everyone had left, it was still sunny in Yorkshire, so um, yeah, typical. But yeah, definitely did ourselves proud. I think it was a brutal race. I mean, I I was um, pleasantly surprised to see you up there. I, I, you know, I don't mean that mm. with any disrespect, but you know, after the crash you had at Lavenir, which was pretty savage let's yeah. face it I, I, I kind of thought nah it could have gone the complete opposite way and you know I, I did two and a half weeks real good training and I think I mean it still could have gone the other way in that I could have just been dropped and you know, not maybe not even finished so I think it was just, it was uh, yeah to be there at the finish sprinting for the win was, was a win in itself I think the lad that got DQ'd mm. saw lots of tweets from journalists saying, oh, now I've seen the full footage, I agree with it. I didn't see a single one from a pro rider agreeing with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's because every pro rider in this situation would have done the same thing. I think the, the rules are not exactly clear. So I guess, you know, you can be DQ'd if you get caught. And, uh, but like my, my dad always said to me, you, know, you, you win the bike race and argue about it afterwards, he just... Maybe lost the argument. <laughs> yeah, low points. The, low, the, the Lavinia crash was was um, pretty brutal, um, and the race was going so well. Obviously. Yeah, it was. It was going 
quite unbelievably well. I mean, there were quite a lot of low points, actually. Like, there were quite a few, well, a lot of good points, like um, Alsace, Roubaix, the Worlds. But, yeah, like, I crashed in Flanders. Then that affected Liège. And then Yorkshire, I got ill and, didn't, and then pulled out stage. Didn't start stage three. Uh, and then obviously Lavanier, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was very up and it had quite a lot of up and downs, like a mountain range if you drew on the ground. Road is done and dusted, and now cyclocross, and you've got a a team launch here. What, what's the story there? This year, Trinity Racing rebranded uh, from TPR last year, and yeah, new new team, new uh, with with Abby and Cameron, and yeah. So it's Abby May Parkinson and Cameron... Mason. Mason. Yeah. Okay, cool. And you're going to be doing cross, ostensibly? Where, yeah, where... yeah. So, yeah, well, cross this winter. We're starting on... Well, I'm starting on Saturday. And then, yeah, next year, road, mountain bike, some gravel races. It seems to be the thing now, I, I kind of think this was led by EF Education's approach this season is to just let people race their bikes and have fun and do whatever they want to do. Is that where you're kind of coming from for now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to be fully focused all the time. And I think more and more people are realising that. And so, yeah, I mean, right, racing, having, making your job enjoyable, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of how the rest of us work, so <laughs> yours should too. Yeah, exactly. Um, Crosswise, have you got a favourite course? Because, I mean, like, have you won at Coxide? I've got a feeling you've won at yeah, Coxide. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I hate Coxide. Last two years. It's maybe. so grim. <laughs> it's just like... No, it's one of the best courses. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I think, I'm not the best in the sand, but I still like it. It's, uh, yeah, just something about it with the, you know, with the, the sand dune, with the, where it goes across, it's probably got a name, but I don't know. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's it's definitely one of the best, I think. There's always lots of Brits over for that one, I guess. Yeah, because it's the nearest one, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But I don't know what my favourite course is. It's, it, there isn't one that stands out. I mean, that one's probably one of the best. Yeah. It's just a good course, like the sand and the... I don't even know how to describe it. The crowds, it's always a special one. I mean, like, Koppenberg's special, but the course is actually quite boring. It's like up the cobbles and, Up then, and then down, down. a bumpy yeah, field. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think yeah. Ellen Wyman would agree with you there, but... Uh. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think she probably will, but she's just good on my course. <laughs> so, are you intending to do a full season of course? I mean, it, it's it's pretty brutal. I mean, you, you must have to sort of pick and choose which events you want to do. Or yeah, I think genu- genuinely quite a full season. I mean, not like every race. And I think I don't think I'm going to do the full February. I think I'm going to end a week or two early. Um... But yeah, generally, generally full season. And but I'm gonna think I'm, this winter it's looking quite bad in Belgium already. Like muddy races. <laughs> like this time last year it was 25 degrees, yeah, or 26 yeah, degrees yeah. or whatever. And this time it's already muddy. And yeah, so this winter is gonna be a lot different. So I think I'm gonna spend more time away from Belgium, somewhere sunny, warm. Don't blame you. And have you got uh, have you got a massive uh, camper van lined up? Because I know what it's like down there. It's like it's all camper van MV. Yeah, well, the size of your camp van it indicates where you are, and <laughs> yeah, we're, we've got a. I think our camp is pretty big. Yeah. Uh, it's not definitely not Van der Poel's size, but uh, 
maybe in a couple of years. Tom Pickcock. Well, like a lot of cycling fans, my first sight of Alan Piper was in the 80s documentary The High Life about the turbulent 1985 season when Piper raced alongside Robert Miller in the Peugeot team. Across a career that's seen stage wins in the Giro and Tour and a successful spell as a DS, Piper has endeared himself to fans with his honest and straight-talking approach. Recently, he's been fighting a different battle against the cancer first diagnosed and treated several years ago, but which reappeared and spread this year. As he told Andy McGrath, the disease is currently in remission. My uh, cancer markers are zero. And it's been like that for a few months. But, you know, I had five months of, of chemo and hormone therapy, and so they were, they were hitting it with a 10-pound hammer, as it were, you know. So um, it's good at the moment, and you know, we just got to be a little bit vigilant staying on top of it. It changed your life, right? My life changed in the sense that uh, I was basically locked in the lounge room for five months. Didn't go anywhere because I didn't have the energy to get out of the town. At best, I could go into town for a coffee. Yeah. Um, but mostly just being in the lounge. But I, I did try to keep my brain working. And I don't know if you know what fellow viewer is. You do, do you? Fellow viewer. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was doing. I did. I, I did the fellow viewer waypoints for all the races while I was off. So Romandie, Giro, Dauphiné, Tour de Suisse, Tour de France, Big Bang. And I could sort of do that when I when I felt like I had the energy. You know? And I always worked ahead. So if I was not feeling good, I didn't have to be under the pump to do it. And, and I do the rider program anyway, so there's constant changes with that. Mm. But, you know, again, I can, you know, I can do that most of that with my, you know, with my eyes closed. So that sort of kept a bit of rhythm in my life and, and the rest was basically listening to my wife <laughs> telling, telling me to lay down and... Take it easy, of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were really busy with, uh, with food and supplements and you know, I was having, having a lot of medication as well. But at the same time, we were doing a lot with our food and with supplements. And, and I was on, I got a bouncer in there that I was on. I was trying to ride every day. Mm. And, you know, the, 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 um, the doctors were telling me that I needed to ride my bike. And, uh, you know, five days after the chemo session, I, I was, the first five days, I was pretty pretty much wiped out you know even to seven days and then I'd have a couple of days just on the home trainer uh you know 10 20 minutes which was really difficult and mm. then you know by 10 days after the chemo I could get back on my bike and I had a guy who went out riding with me so he would ride in front and he would make up the route and he would say hey be careful of this be careful of that because my, my reflexes weren't working very good All right so we do between you know between 45 minutes and two hours, but a really low level. So I had a lactate test for that. So I had to ride between 100 and 110 heart rate, which was excruciatingly slow. Same fast by old ladies. So, so yeah, no, no, really, really, yeah. really, yeah. My average speed was 20. I mean, right. To average 20, you've got to be going pretty slow. <laughs> but sometimes that was all I could do, but it was, you know, it was, it was really, my, the bike kept me sort of on the straight and narrow that I could get out ride my bike, get some fresh fresh air, stop for a coffee before I came home. You know, just some some normality in my life, you know, where, you know, because I suffered, you know, I was only just uh, having a rest before you arrived and thinking how much I suffered, you know. 
it's, uh, you know, I did five times Tour de France and five times the Giro when I wasn't at the front end of those races, but I was very much at the back end, you know, mm. and pushing my limits to the very limits, you know, whether that be physical, emotional or, or mental. But, you know, going through five months of chemo was just a totally different ball game. You know, by, and a lot of people said to me, well, oh, you're tough, you'll, you'll get through it, you'll be fine. But tough, I just didn't, I just didn't feel so tough, you know, the... The hard days riding in the rain or, you know, riding Tour de France or riding, you know, Roubaix in mud up to your knees, you know, it's because you want to do it, you know, and you, you sort of can and it is tough, but this is like, this is like something you don't want to do at all, you know. So it was a, it was a different type of toughness and a different type of resilience, you know. What I saw again at Lombardy this weekend, you know, people seeing me for the first time, you know, that whole cycling world, you know, that... They're very much bonded together, you know, which was really supportive for me, you know, directors of other teams and, and so many riders sent messages to me when they'd heard that I wasn't well and having treatment and, you know, was was very surprising some of the messages I got from guys, you know, that I didn't think would care or be interested, you know. So I think that whole cycling world sort of really supported me in the whole process as well. So cycling was a part of my process through that, you know. So which kind of guys were sending you messages that you weren't expecting, maybe? Um, probably the, the, the biggest one was Cav, you know, I had, had a really nice message from Cav, and uh, he did a tour of California, and um, sponsored by Amgen, and on their numbers they had a little line at the bottom that said, I ride four, and he just put Alan P, and he sent me a photo of it, and he said, I didn't know if you want to have your name on there, but I, I'm riding for you, you know, which I thought was really amazing, you know. We haven't had much contact the last few years, but you know, it just shows the depth of you know how how cycling is. You know, Philip Gilbert. You know, obviously, you know, we had quite a few years with Phil, but you know, there's there's guys who just popped up out of the blue. Nathan Nathan Haas sent me the most not candid. It's not a good word, but um, heartfelt message I probably ever received. You know, and he's a good writer and a very intelligent guy, but you know, he sort of encapsulated what he thought or how he thought of me in a message, you know, mm. which was pretty, pretty amazing, actually. But how did you catch the cancer, the prostate cancer, correct? I don't know. They, and, you know, of course, with cancer, they don't know how, how, people, how people get it. But, you know, I had, I had more than 30 years, 40 years riding my bike. And uh, when they did the operation to take out my prostate five years ago, the surgeon said they it was my prostate was really crushed into the base of my pelvis, you know. Mm. Um, you know, and there's been some discussion that you know saddles and a lot of time on the saddle can you know make a difference or stuff like that. But look, in my experience of you know having cancer and seeing people with cancer and hearing about cancer, it's it's just like the lottery. You know, there's, there's people who don't look after themselves and don't get it. There's people who do look after themselves and do get it. And I don't really see any 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 trends around me anyway. And, of course, I was disappointed. You know, I'd been bloody veg, you know, vegetarian for 30 years and I'd ridden my bike every day and grown wheatgrass and juiced it and juiced it and fasted and, and, you know, and then, you know, I get sick. And, you know, I've had two operations. I've had 39 sessions of radiation. I've had five months of chemotherapy, you know. So it, it hasn't been an easy five years. And then you, you say, you know, why me? You know, I mean, I think everyone asks that question of themselves, even if a tree falls on top of you, why me? But it's not something you can really dwell on. you just got to 
get on with it, you know. But the funny thing is, when, when you're going through chemo, when I was going through chemo, I, there was no thought of the future. You know, am I going to have a job? Will they give me a job again? Can I go back into cycling? Will I be the same? All of those questions are gone. It's just like getting through today to get to tomorrow, you know. And I must say, I went to Lombardy and saw everybody yesterday, and um, I was uh, quite emotional last night because I thought, I can't go through this again. Yeah. I, I can't go through it again. It was so hard. And, uh, sorry. It's okay. So I was just, just sort of dealing with um, the fact that it's been difficult and you just don't want to do it again. It's like you're faced with your mortality, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Did it make you appreciate your job more or did it make it... Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forwards now. I've got a job for next year and I don't want to give it up, you know. So I'm sort of, you know, looking back and looking forward and sort of thinking, you know, where am I going, you know. And I love being around the bike riders, it's, that's the amazing thing. Even, you know, standing on, I was standing at the bottom of a uh, steep climb yesterday, about 1k before it got really steep and I was standing there with Bidons and Dylan Toons came past and he saw me and yelled out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really, really cool as well, yeah. It's a kind of a doggy dog world when everything's okay, isn't it? When they're just rivals, but it's nice there's that solidarity when there's adversity. I, see, I think you see that a lot when guys crash or you know, when they come back or some guys you know, like, you know, have success when they're not used to success, how the sort of people uh, are really with him in those moments, you know? And this dog-eat-dog, and everyone fights for his job, and every rider's got to perform or he won't have a job. But at the same time, there is like that solidarity, especially when someone passes away, you know, one of the riders has a crash and sort of really brings, brings it home about what they're doing and how they do it and, you know, what, what the consequences could be as well. Alan Piper. You're listening to the Ruler Podcast, supported by Lacquer Bicycle Insurance, powered by the community. For more details, check out laka.co.uk. I'm Mark Williamson, and I've been a Lacquer customer since the start of 2019, so about eight months now. So I was on this new bike and stopped off at a coffee shop at a hotel just to send a few emails and make a call. Came out and found someone had taken off um, the headset at the front. They'd cut the braking gear cables, they'd unscrewed the handlebars and stolen the, the, the bars and shifters. Lacquer were phenomenal, actually. I was blown away by both the immediacy and the kind of helpfulness of the support. They seemed keen to help. Uh, and it was just a remarkably hassle-free experience. Couldn't have been happier with the service, despite being incredibly frustrated that somebody had decapitated my uh, my new bike. So it's time to catch up with uh, Ruler's desire editor Stuart Clapp and uh, Ruler Classic coming very soon. And Stuart, there is actually going to be uh, a desire innovators section at the Classic uh, this year. Tell us a bit about that. Ah, uh, yeah, there is on Friday. There's um, there's a few sessions actually of uh, of desire curated um, stuff going on on stage, which 
I'm not presenting. They got Simon Brotherton to do it because, let's be honest. Um, you need a professional. Well, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah, there's a couple of sessions, which is pretty cool. The first one is like on the afternoon on Friday. Uh, I'm just out, I, I, Do you know what? I've actually made notes. Do you know, the only time I've ever been told off about doing a podcast by Ian is because I made notes on it and I sounded too professional. And he said it didn't sound like you. So anyway, I've made notes again, Ian. Deal with this, right? So um, we are in the afternoon. Richard Byrne uh, from Speedplay, uh, Frederick from Park, Steve Smith from Castelli is on. Um, in the afternoon, there's uh, Jamie from Ribble, Monica Santini, I believe you know. Um, and then there is Phil White from uh, Cervelo, um, Soren, uh, Matthias from Craft. There's a lot going on. And the idea behind this is that these are people who've done innovative or new things or new approaches to bike technology. Yes, indeed. And they all kind of speak for themselves, like, you know, Speedplay. You've got the guys from POC that have come from a sort of snow background and then they've gone into this and then we're talking about MIPS and things like this. Steve Smith from Castelli. There is loads going on. Obviously, Phil White is a bit of a pioneer when it comes to the aero bikes. I mean, he was, you know, at the forefront of that when uh, Cervelo launched their um, the soloist. But yeah, it should be good. It's really good. I think it's sort of an extension of... of uh, the section in the magazine which is which is quite nice isn't it and there's loads else of course um we've got adam blythe interviewing mark cavendish which should be uh, an entertaining session that's going to be amazing because the dynamic between those two is hilarious can i tell you an, i can tell you an anecdote can't i so so cav like like you know everyone knows what cav's like he's uh he's he's mark cavendish he's, he's a pretty unique character and the Cav gets, it's quite interesting when you see Cav around a lot of people because he's, you know, sometimes you get grumpy Cav who throws his helmet out, out the coach. But he's actually quite quite funny guy, isn't he, really? And then, so he had to, what, last year's Ruler Classic, right? We're all in the the green room by the side of the stage where they go go to go on stage. And um, Cav gets a call up and he's got to go over to, you know, stand on the Envy stand and sort of meet people and probably sign some posters or something. And I was like, oh, well. Uh, you're all right going through. Do you, do you want me to like walk you through? Because he, you know, he might get stopped or whatever. But that's kind of what it's like at the Ruler Classic. You know, there are people around. You get stopped and grab autographs and things. Anyway, so Cav goes through and he went, "Oh no, 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 I'll be fine. I'll just sneak through." And then just as he's about to walk out of the green room, bearing in mind if you're walking out into the middle of the bar there, Adam Blythe goes, "Oh my God, it's Mark Cavendish!" And the whole bar has then turned around and Cav has. I won't actually repeat what what Cav called him, but if that's anything to go by, the interview between those two will be hilarious because they are great mates. And that's kind of a little bit kind of the way the Ruler Classic's gone. I have very little to do with the Ruler Classic. But with those sort of interviews, you know, when um, Adam Blythe was doing <coughs> interviews on a on another cycling podcast, which will remain nameless, um, he did really well. Like he's interviewing Caleb Ewan and stuff like because. They open up more because they're just talking to their friend, which is which is really cool. So I'm quite excited about that. Another thing we're going to be doing is going around because um, in addition to the Desire Innovators, uh, there are loads of other stands there, loads of other companies and brands there. We're going to be going around and uh, having a look at some of the uh, stands, having a look at some of the products, uh, having a nose, see what's see seeing what's good. Yeah, we are. That's going to be that. You know, like, like on the last one, I said I don't actually know what I do at the Ruler Classic. Well, this has given me something to do, so I'll actually be doing that. So, uh, yeah, there's loads of brands actually this year that that haven't 
been before that I'm quite excited about being. One of them being Pegaretti, of course. And I've seen some of the bikes that they're sending over, which look incredible. Unsurprisingly, they're Pegarettis. So, uh, yeah, amazing. So I'm quite excited about that too. Okay, well, one thing that we do have to do is is that once again, um, I have been doing your job for you and uh, going to other parts of the world and speaking to manufacturers about uh, kit and things. And this time I, I went to Milan um, to see the Santini factory in Bergamo. They've been collaborating with Politech, the uh, fabric people. And they come up with all kinds of uh, interesting clothes and uh, products for this uh, autumn and winter. In particular, they have come up with the hairy undershirt. Yeah, I've seen that. In fact, you sent me a photo of it and, uh, and they do a hairy glove as well. I've tried both of them out. Although they do look a bit odd, you're too young to remember mohair um, tank tops from the uh, punk era. But it looks like you're wearing a black mohair tank top i'm older than you think mate i've uh, i do remember those I, I think uh robert smith from the cure still wears this doesn't he the, like red and black stripy number so it's a bit like that right but they do work really well so yes uh, while you were swanning around doing whatever it is you do i was talking to uh matteo tolio uh, from Politech and fergus nyland from santini about uh, their new products including the hairy undershirts which is properly made um, from a fabric called Alpha. Basically, Alpha is a technology that we developed uh, for the US Special Forces um, approximately uh, 10 years ago. And it's something really unique um, because uh, basically um, it allows you to, to make a garment that is really uh, light, uh, warm and breathable. And this is uh, what you know uh, Special Forces wanted at that time. Uh, when there was nothing available in the market, so we basically changed, you know, the way uh, to wear during, you know, cold conditions, um, especially during performance and activity. What is really uh, nice uh, about this collaboration is that uh, Santini decided to use Alpha in a um, new way. Uh, so they basically um, are introducing a base layer uh, made out of Alpha. So the result is an incredible, you know, uh, garment, um, really warm. Uh, really breathable, made out of uh, recycled polyester. So it's also, you know, great sustainable story. And so that's great. They let, you know, the athlete um, tested it and with great feedback. And we are really happy about this collaboration. Fergus uh, from Santini, it, it looks very different. You know, it immediately attracts attention because it, it looks hairy. Um, when you first saw it, did you think, what, what, what were your thoughts about what you could actually do with it? That was the first thing that attracted me to it, to be very honest with you. At the point after that, I was trying to convince the boss to buy it. But kind of, you look, locally, she did. So kind of, like I say, really our, our, our you know, role as a manufacturer kind of for developing these high-end garments is based on the know-how and the technology that the manufacturers of the fabric put into it completely convinced with this completely convinced and as Matteo said there we I mean tested this to the nth degree we went into pros and the pros is something now that's part of their locker that that's what they want to wear it's such an effective fabric and his application kind of is widespread in various different guises and um, yeah it's a wonderful thing a wonderful innovation. Were the pros a bit skeptical when they first saw this kind of hairy vest? Well, certainly, I guess they were, um, but kind of, as I said, you know, the proof is in the pudding. The guys wore this 
completely worked. It's really kind of the, the fabric itself, the, the magic of the fabric is that in this instance, a very quite light version of it can get wet, dries instantly, retains warmth. Um, it, I mean, it's just a fantastic innovation. And for that reason, uh, for uh, pros and amateurs alike, it really is something that kind of is becoming more and more essential to incorporate more items. One of the other things that uh, Santini have uh, launched uh, this autumn and winter is, is bib tights, which actually include uh, some of Polatec's uh, power wool. Talk us, talk us through power wool as a, as a fabric. Santini decided to adopt our power wool technology that is basically a unique um, fabric construction that has um, merino wool on the back, so you basically benefit from uh, the wool close to your skin, so it's warm even if, when it's wet, uh, highly breathable uh, with other resistance. And on the face of the fabric, uh, we, we combine basically the wool with uh, a synthetic yarn, in this case uh, nylon on the face to reduce the dry time, to give you more abrasion resistance. And, and then on the back of the, uh, on the tide, um, they decided to use another um, different version of power wool with a grid construction to maximize breathability, warmth, and so the result, again, it's a really uh, unique piece uh, that will, you know, allow uh, um, end consumer uh, to join, you know, maximum comfort and maximum performance during the ride. Because, Fergus, there was a sort of uh, fashion a few years ago um, for the return of wool, merino wool in particular, to bibs and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to tights. But that... Um, didn't last very long, did it? You're, you're confident that wool has a place in, uh, in leggings and, 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 and bib tights? Well, well certainly, as, as I said before, it's, it really is down to the technology that Polytech would have put into the development of that fabric. Um, that's a huge part of it. Uh, it it's, wool as a, as a fabric as of itself is incredibly effective in a, a whole range of conditions, but as Matteo said there, to incorporate this uh, with other synthetic fibres to add those essential elements, durability effectively, was something that kind of we were convinced by taking this fabric on and creating this garment. It would be, again, a successful, a successful uh, kind of addition to our range. Um, yeah, fantastic, fantastic fabric, and it's been applied in this new, brand-new bib tights. Yeah. What are the other big things that we should be looking out for, do you think, in terms of fabric and, and, and bike clothing uh, over the next year or so? Are there any other big things on the horizon? Well, I think that certainly the question uh, of sustainability is something that's uh, huge. Uh, I think that kind of there's been a genuine sea change and a shift between uh, manufacturers um, uh, of the fabric and also the manufacturers of clothing as well in that direction. It's something that can't really be ignored anymore and it's something that uh, Santini especially, working with Polytech, we're convinced we have a synergy in that regard. Uh, that's, that's number one. As regards to specific technical fabrics that we're using it goes without saying the cooling properties of fabrics for for summer gear that's super essential as well uh, and again uh, really kind of the protection of, uh, of the riders when it comes into the winter training season that's very important too so specifically those two things yeah you've just taken us on the tour of the uh, factory uh, here outside Bergamo and um, what's really striking is the way that from the very start to the very end of the, of, of the product. Everything is done here, from the design right up to the women who actually put the jerseys and the tights in the envelopes to send them, send them to the retailers. Um, is it hard, given the, you know, the competition that's out there, to keep it 
a, a local Italian business? Sure, it's um, it's a you know real it's a battle. It's something that uh, we've made as a company a conscious decision to maintain that because again at a large scale political level and but on a local level as well kind of each garment really kind of it needs to be seen not just as a piece of clothing but uh, you know it's the factory there there's a heritage there the people that produce it are from the local area so it's sustaining all of that which is something that I feel is incredibly important to uphold it's a point of pride it's people know that when they wear a Santini garment that that's what it represents as well above and beyond just you know fashion it's not about that uh, which is something that we're committed to maintain, yeah. Fergus Nyland of Santini. And you can see the hairy undershirt and much more at the Ruler Classic, October the 31st to November the 2nd. The Ruler Hall of Fame will feature legendary Greg LeMond in person and video contributions from Mariana Voss and Phil Liggett. Unaccountably, no room in the Hall of Fame for our last guest, but he'll be there every day on the stage all the same. Who could forget him? no matter how much we try. Hello, uh, this is Kenny Van Vlemmick, uh, talking from the toilet of uh, the Petrux Peace Factory. It is the only place I can come uh, to take a little bit of time to think about uh, what has happened in the past year. It has been a, a very, very difficult year for Kenya. But uh, yeah, the team is falling. Yeah, big problems with the legals. And I have to sell my home. I am now leaving all the candles and working in the factory and measuring the different size of the piece uh, working uh, also cleaning the pipes for the piece to be placed into and then come out of the other side uh, we're also involved in uh, the paint shop where we paint the piece some nice green for the organicals and uh, so uh, i come to the rollers classics to talk of the problems i'm having but also i am making a new merchandise uh, for the people to be buying in the 90s style for the children and the teenagers also, the people like uh, Mark Cavendish and Ed Impel. Ha ha, hi, these as well, also. So I can come and talk. But it's been a difficult year for Kenny. It's been a very serious time happening. Many moments have happened in past and come again. But sometimes when you think about life, you think about vegetables, it is very simple. Also, this tap is not working in the toilets. I must be making uh, the fixing also. But I am looking forward to uh, coming to the Ruler Classics and talking uh, about my problems. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.